place else you'd rather be than right here, right now. When it's too tough for them, it's just right What's up, Bills Mafia? It's Joe Marino from the Draft Network, and I am your host of Locked On Bills. Happy Monday to you. Hope you enjoyed your weekend, uh, the first weekend without NFL football in a long time. And uh, we did get the AAF. The AAF, a developmental league, has launched. And, of course, I watched it. I was, I was pretty hooked. Um, you don't, it's not very tough sell for me if there's football on TV. Uh, for me to spend time watching that. And so I've been anxious to see this developmental league, something that I think would greatly benefit the NFL because there are so many young players and they just don't have the time to develop and get the reps that they need to reach their potential. It's such a cutthroat league. Coaches turn over all the time and they're they're not going to spend a whole lot of time cultivating the skill sets of, of some of the younger players. Uh, and so this developmental league, I think, is great to help with that. I love that it gives more jobs in football. These players are all getting paid decent money. I think it's every every player gets a three year deal, seventy thousand the first year, ninety thousand the second year, and a hundred thousand the last year. So I mean, uh, that's a good living, um, and it positions themselves to potentially get an NFL contract. There are tons of former Bills players and coaches that are involved with this league, and so uh, I'd encourage you to check it out. I've pledged my allegiance for the Orlando Apollos, who are 1-0 with a dominant victory over the Atlanta Legends. Uh, For me, it just came down to Steve Spurrier. Love that guy. He's so much fun, and uh, I I just wanted to pick. When I saw that he was coaching one of the teams, I went for the Apollos. You know, People have a lot of different reasons for the team they picked, the, the uniforms or certain players or whatnot, but for me, it was about Coach Spurrier, and so it feels great being a lifelong fan of the Orlando Apollos, who have never lost a game in franchise history. So uh, uh, there you have it. I won't, I won't spend too much time on a weekly basis talking about uh, the AAF and the Orlando Apollos, but since it just kicked off, want to spend a few minutes kind of talking about that in the league in the lead, and then uh, kind of mentioning that, I, I, I think that the NFL is closely connected. I mean, there's games that are going to be on NFL Network. Uh, there's a lot of former NFL ties. Bill Polian's one of the founders of the league, and I think you're going to see this become very organized between the NFL uh, and, and obviously the AAF working in concert uh, to do exactly what I already talked about in terms of developing players and giving some of the younger younger players who uh, aren't ready to step into a lineup right away a chance to prove themselves and get better uh, with with you know what there's no substitute for reps in a live football game and so this gives them a chance to do that. All right, today's show I want to spend the entire thing talking about the unrestricted free agents that the Buffalo Bills have this offseason. And so they entered the offseason with eight, two, four, six, eight unrestricted free agents. Uh, They've already re-signed two of them. We've talked about them. Lorenzo Alexander, linebacker, he's been re-signed to a one-year contract, as has Jeremiah Searles, the offensive lineman, the versatile offensive lineman. He's been re-signed to a one-year contract. That leaves six unrestricted free agents on the roster now. And so I've kind of breaking them down here into the two that I think are the most difficult 
decisions, the two that I think are kind of difficult decisions, and the two that I don't think there's much of a chance they'll be back on the roster. Um, so let's dig into it. I guess the marquee name when you think about the Bills' free agents is John Miller. Uh, John Miller was third-round pick of the team, played four years for the Bills. He basically started in three out of four years. Um, this past season, he was rated as the 25th best guard in football by Pro Football Focus. So that's not too bad there. Um, it's interesting because I don't know what he's going to command. And so much of my belief of whether a player should be back or not probably comes down a lot to their contract demands and what John Miller's value on the market is. I have a feeling he's going to want to test it out. He's younger. This is, he just came off of that rookie deal. This is probably a, a chance where he could say, hey, I've been a three-year starter in the league. Uh, I've been part of good rushing offenses his rookie season. And to try to hit some hit some cash. Again, I don't know. Like, I'm not sure he is that strong of a resume to say that he deserves, I don't know, five, six, seven, eight million dollars a year. So we'll see what happens. I, I can see him signing like a modest deal, like a two years, eight million dollars with somebody, or maybe a one year, three million prove it deal. Um, I don't think he's not been dominant. I don't think he has a big time resume to say, hey, I deserve a lot of money. But at the same time, for a team looking for a guy with experience with some level of upside that just kind of needs to fill in one spot on their offensive line, John Miller is like the guy you'd probably target to do that. You know, if you're four out of your five spots are set and you need a guard and you're looking for a veteran that's at a relatively low cost, John Miller's probably a good option for you. Uh, one thing that Rex Ryan raved about when John Miller first came on the team, and, and of course he was high in every player he brought in, but he did mention specifically how quickly he picked up the playbook, and he was an immediate starter as a third-round pick. And so that that's probably true. So there's there, evidently he probably has a good mental side, and he works really hard. I, I keep track of a lot of the Bills players on Instagram, and, and John Miller is a guy that like is always working. And I'm not saying that like they aren't always all working, but – he is very intentional about putting that on his Instagram story, uh, and you see him putting in a lot of work. And he has some, you know, like he's younger and he has a physical upside to him. So we'll see on John Miller. Um, we we know what he can be for the Bills. I mean, an average guard, he's going to have frustrating plays. Um, but again, a three-year starter in four out of four seasons with the Bills as a third-round pick. Um, again, I can kind of I can kind of see a team identifying him, going back to the pre-draft assessment and saying, hey, this is our low-cost fill-in guy to round out our offensive line. I don't know if he'll be back. I don't think he's going to get a big deal, but I'm not sure he's going to be back. And I think when you think about the Bills' offensive line, a lot of the players that we're going to talk about were starters on last year's unit, and it was not a great unit. And so sometimes it's like, all right, this was a problem well, we probably need to shake up the ingredients a little here or else it's going to continue to be a problem. Uh, so John Miller, if, if there's not the market that he expects, I can see him back. Uh, but I think somebody's going to probably go after him as that, that veteran one final piece to fill in. Uh, the other guy that I thought was kind of a, an interesting player that the Bills maybe have a decision make to make with is Jordan Phillips, who they signed over uh, during the season last year from the Dolphins. And, you know, he's interesting. He plays with a lot of energy, but I think he's more of a situational player. And he may view himself as a starter, a guy that 
deserves a lot of snaps. Um, he, he in small doses, I thought he made some did some really good things. He made some plays, but he's never at any point in his career been a guy that you you felt comfortable with being one of your starting defensive tackles. I mean, he's really a large human being, and he has great athletic ability, but that doesn't necessarily translate to play making plays on the field on Sundays. And so the thing about him is what he perceives he is versus what his value is, there might be a discrepancy. But at the same time, you can see a team going back, to, again, to that pre-draft assessment and seeing the physical upside that's there and, and, and saying, hey, well, this is a player we'd really like to bring in. Um, he was rated as the 108th best defensive tackle in football last year for PFF. So not a great season. Um, certainly not entering the market where, with – you know, playing his best football where you feel like his value has been maximized by no way. No way is that true. But um, nonetheless, he's a younger player with some upside that played well in small doses for the Bills last year, a player that the Bills had a chance to spend some time with and understand who he is as a person, his habits, evaluate those things as they consider whether or not to bring Jordan Phillips back. It seems like he enjoyed being part of the team. A lot of energy, he was always kind of hyping up the crowd. You could tell he kind of fit in quickly. What's his value? How much does he cost? Um, you could see him if the Bills wanted to add another veteran to the mix, which would make sense because right now their defensive tackles are basically Harrison Phillips and Star Latoule. Like it would make sense to bring in some type of a veteran so you get one that you're familiar with that has some physical upside. He sounds intriguing. Well, what does he cost? Again, I think it could be a similar situation to what I was talking about with Jordan Mill, uh, with uh, John Miller. How much you you know what this does a team view him? Want to pay him a little bit? A couple years, eight million dollars across two seasons. Does he come back to the Bills on a prove it deal? I don't think anyone's going to break the bank for Jordan Phillips. Maybe like he wished he would have if his career went the way he thought it would to this point, but that hasn't been the case. There's some upside there. So with Jordan Phillips and John Miller, I think those are the two guys that are like maybe the most difficult decisions, if if you will, on here. I don't. I think they're right now based on what they are, what we've learned about them as players throughout their their careers. They they're replacement level players, but they do have some upside, and there is some familiarity there. So that would make sense. Again, the Bills a lot of cap space, third most in the NFL. They can they can bring in players like. And, and maybe pay a little more for them and it not really eat away at their current situation, especially if it's on a one- or a two-year deal. Those are the two interesting ones to monitor. Then you get into the next tier. In this tier is a couple more offensive linemen. First of all, Ryan Groy. Disappointing, right? I remember when he filled in for Eric Wood that season, he played great. Everybody was nervous that he was going to – he was like a, a restricted free agent – he went and signed that deal with the Rams, and the Bills matched it and thought he was just going to be this steal. And then he really struggled last year. The Bills' offensive line was better when Russell Bodine was a starting center. Russell Groy, or excuse me, Ryan Groy last year graded out as pro football focus's 36th best center in the NFL. So that's not good. Um, and the thing with him is, like, his he does have value because he can play guard and center, but at the end of the day, like that's just going to be true about whoever you're going to bring in. You're going to want a guy with that position flexibility to play guard and center. So the way that he's performed on the field doesn't necessarily give you the warm fuzzies about having to play him. Um, I'm not sure he has much of a value. He'll be, Somebody will sign him. Uh, but I don't know that the Bills will go after him as guy we got to have back, other than they know him, they know his habits, 
And if they wanted a guy with familiarity, they can bring him back. But I, I think his his overall value is is pretty modest. I'm not sure the Bills will bring him back. I'm not sure they should. Next up is Jordan Mills. Uh, started for the Bills for several seasons. I know that a lot of Bills fans do not like Jordan Mills, but I don't think he's been that bad. He's been part of some really good offensive lines for the Bills. Good offensive lines that were like leading the league in rushing and didn't give up many sacks, and he was a starting right tackle. Now, he looked worse on those units because he probably was the worst of a very good group, but at the same time, I don't think he deserves quite the criticism that I think a lot of Bills fans just have like hatred towards him. Now, what I'm about to say certainly doesn't help with the point I'm going to make. He was pro football focused 70th rated tackle in last year, so obviously not a very high-quality graded season last year. But um, at the same time, one of those players, you know what you're getting. Um, and, I, and certainly he's upgradable. You know, on my last mock draft for the Bills, I, I went up giving them Jawan Taylor, the right tackle from Florida. I think it's certainly an upgradable position. I just wanted to stick up for Jordan Mills a little bit because I don't think he's been quite – the disaster that some people want to make him out to be across his tenure with the Buffalo Bills. So in that second tier is a couple guys that really, you know, been fixtures in the locker room, starters last year. Jordan Mills, a starter for several years for the Bills, Ryan Groy, uh, the other there. And so I can see these players walking. Again, they have less, in my opinion, they have less uh, – in terms of what their value is going to be on the open market than Phillips and Miller, because I think there's a little less upside with them. But they're guys that you're familiar with if you wanted to bring them back for depth. Uh, but I think those, again, those are even more replacement-level players that um, you don't want to commit big money to, and I don't think anybody's going to. So um, we'll see on those guys. I can see them moving on, signing them somewhere else, or being back on a very modest deal. Either case, I don't think it's a big priority to bring them back, and I don't think it's a big loss if they go. Then there's two more unrestricted free agents to mention. First of all, uh, Taiwan Jones, running back special teamers, uh, special teamer. He was on IR last year uh, in October. There's a lot to like about Taiwan Jones in terms of him being a, actually a good special teams player. I talked about the special teams on Thursday's show, and I talked about how the Bills have special teams players that are on the team because they can play special teams, but they don't really make any plays on special teams. Well, that's not really the case with Taiwan Jones, who I really liked covering kicks. He gives you some upside as a kick returner, high character guy. Um, you know that like one of those buy-in guys, one of those locker room type guys, those culture type guys that you know Sean McDermott really values. But he's getting older. His value to the offense is not very good. He's coming off of this neck injury, and so I can see him walking. I'm not sure if he'll have much appeal on the open market from anybody. This he could be done in football. And I, I certainly don't know where he's at with that neck injury, which probably matters the most. Um, but, you know, for uh, depth on offense, very modest in terms of what he gives you there. He actually has proven to be a good special teams player. But at this point in his career, you know, I, I feel like you're probably going to want to have some guys on the bottom of your depth chart at running back that give you a little more upside to contribute on offense. And I don't know that the Bills will bring back Taiwan Jones other than he's a super high character guy. The last guy to mention is Deontay Thompson, who is an unrestricted free agent. For the second season with the Bills, last year they opted not to bring him back when they couldn't have had a greater need at wide receiver. They let him walk. Um, and then, obviously, he was cut by Dallas, and then the Bills brought him back late in the season when they needed a veteran in the locker room at wide receiver. And uh, he didn't really help the Bills in any way, shape, or form. Now, the, he, he, the Colts game the Colts game a couple years ago when the Bills made the playoffs, the Bills probably don't go to the playoffs if they don't have Deontay Thompson last year, in 2017. 
So, like, let's recognize what he's been for this team. He's been a he's helped he helped this team get to the playoffs in 2017 when he was brought back last year. He did not help them at all. Uh, actually, had some frustrating drops in limited play. And um, you know, if the Bills are looking to bring back a veteran to have a veteran in the locker room as at wide receiver, he would be an option because when you think about it right now, there's not a lot in the way of veterans with the Buffalo Bills wide receivers: Robert Foster, Isaiah McKenzie, Zay Jones, Ray Ray McLeod. Uh, th- th- those are young players. So if they want to have a, 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 an older guy in there, maybe you do look to Deontay Thompson. But at the same time, the Bills could make a run it for other free agents uh, as well as potentially you know, use a high draft pick, first or second round pick on a wide receiver, which would come as no surprise. Um, and you just have to wonder what you know. You have to prioritize the value of having a veteran in there or versus – uh, you know, continuing to to have younger players that have some upside because I think we know what Deontay Thompson is in the league, and he's not necessarily very valuable other than him being a, a you know kind of one of those know how guys. So I can see the Bills moving on and not retaining Thompson and Jones. So there's the Bills went into free agency with eight unrestricted free agents, re-signed two of them, Lorenzo Alexander and Jeremiah Searles, and then there's six remaining: Jordan Phillips, John Miller. Ryan Groy, Jordan Mills, Taiwan Jones, and Deontay Thompson. You can see a reasonable case for any one of those six to be brought back. You can also see a reasonable case for all any one of those six to not be back. And uh, just kind of identifying them all as bottom-of-the-roster type guys, replacement-level players, certainly not breaking the bank for any one of those guys. Um, and, uh, and, 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 you know, the, the offensive linemen in particular, it's, it's kind of funky just because the Bills' offensive line was a problem last year, and you, those are three players that were you know, part of that. Do you really want to prioritize bringing them back? We'll see. But that's where things stand right now with the Bills and unrestricted free agency. Nothing that's you're overly concerned about, which feels pretty good. And hopefully the Bills continue to take care of the contracts that you want to be taken care of so you're not going into this thing saying, oh, my God, if the Bills don't work out a long-term extension, we're going to lose a quality player. Keep your own players. That's something that Brandon Bean has preached, and I think will will ultimately be true. I, I don't think that he'll let his guys go. Um, it's worth noting that these players become unrestricted free agents on March 13th at 4 p.m. If they are not re-signed, then they're free to sign with any team. So there's uh, plenty of time. We still got over a month until free agency kicks off. Uh, but that's the players that the Bills have to look at and consider over the next month to consider if they want to bring them back, let them test the market, or you know, eventually bring them back. If they, you know, if they don't re-sign them before March 13th, it doesn't mean they can't be back. Uh, but uh, you, it, it always, you can always learn a lot by the players that the Bills identify and say, "Hey, we want that guy back." You know, and, and you can see with Lorenzo Alexander and Jeremiah Searles, they've already done that. They took care of that business, and uh, and they don't even get the chance to hit the market. So uh, we'll see. Still a lot of time between now and then. Uh, but uh, that's the current look at the Bills' unrestricted free agent situation. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Locked On Bills. Make sure you're subscribed. Hit that uh, that five-star review button and uh, connect with me on Twitter. You can follow me at the Joe Marino. The podcast is at Locked On Bills. And I uh, would love to continue this discussion with you over on social media. I'll be back again for you tomorrow with another episode. But until then, thanks so much for listening to Locked On Bills.